Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined today by Jesse Desjardins. He's the head of Social Tourism Australia, and we're going to explore how he leverages fan content, specifically photos, to promote Australian tourism. I've also got an awesome discovery that I'd like to share with you right now. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Do you sit at a computer all day like I do, managing all the things that you need to manage as a social person or a marketer or a business owner? And do you find yourself like your eyes are bugging out and you can't stare at the screen any longer and you look up and you're like, you know, you just need to step away from the computer, but yet you still need to get work done? Well, I found the awesomest solution. I have been using this for years and they're called Gunner Optics. G-U-N-N-A-R, second word is O-P-T-I-K-S, Gunner Optics. And basically, these are computer glasses. Uh, Basically, the founders of this company, Southern California company, came from Oakley, the big sunglass company, and they started Gunner Optics. And these glasses are designed for video gamers and for people that stare at a computer all day long. And... They are, first of all, really awesome looking, but let me kind of tell you what makes them different than your typical kind of glasses. First of all, there is a uh, yellow tint to the glasses. Now, you may not realize this, but computers put off a very harsh blue light that can kind of get hard on the eyes after a while. Well, the yellow tint in these glasses counteracts the blue and it's not as harsh on your eyes. In addition, these glasses kind of curve around your head. They look very stylish. But what happens is because your eyes are are held open for so long when you're staring at a screen, they can actually dry out. So these glasses are really tight to your head and they keep the moisture of your eyes from drying out. And the last thing is there's a subtle magnification in these glasses. And what that does is it reduces the likelihood that your eyes are going to strain while trying to read things on the screen. Now, I have been using Gunner Optics for at least three years, maybe even longer. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference they have made in my productivity, my ability to get things done. I used to have headaches all the time. They're completely gone. I never get them anymore. These glasses sell for between $79 and $99. You can get them on Amazon. You can go directly to gunners.com, G-U-N-N-A-R-S.com, 
pretty sure that's what it is. Um, and the ones that I have are called Pentas. So if you happen to go there and check them out, the ones that I have are a pretty cool kind of stainless steel looking thing. And yep, it is gunners.com, G-U-N-N-A-R-S. And I love these things. I, um, I can't not put them on the second I sit down at my computer. My eyes just have grown accustomed to, to wanting them. Yes, they're available in prescription. No, I don't wear the prescription version. Um, but these things really, really, really work. I think it's a smart investment because if you need to work at a computer and you're staring at it all day long, then why not consider picking up a copy, uh, not a copy, I mean a pair, if you will, of Gunners. So that's what I recommend. I know it's kind of an unusual recommendation of the week, but try them and thank me later. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's interview with Jesse. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Jesse Desjardins. He's the head of social at Tourism Australia, the Australian government's marketing agency that's responsible for promoting tourism for the country. Jesse manages a small team that oversees a large Facebook, Instagram, and Google Plus community. And working with his fans, Jesse's team receives over a thousand photos a day. It's crazy. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. And Jesse, I apologize if I mispronounced your name. So why don't you tell everyone listening how to pronounce it properly? Well, it's actually, I, I'm actually not Australian, but I'm French Canadian, but it's pronounced uh, Jesse Desjardins. But you actually did, did it pretty good. Uh, good. Good job. Okay, cool. Close enough, yeah. <laughs> All right, good. So today, Jesse and I are going to explore how he and his team are working with fans to further Australian tourism. So Jesse, let's start with this question. How, how did you get this job? Um, and let's just start with the backstory because... For those that don't know, Jesse is doing amazing things. Let's just, well, actually, before you answer that question, share a little bit about the, the size of some of the communities that you've got out there in the social networks. Um, sure. So we should hit about 6 million fans um, this week on, on Facebook. Uh, I think we're about 800,000 on Instagram. We, we manage a total of about 12 different social media profiles um, with a team of uh, three people. We actually have one more person helping us out for the next couple of months. And so we're reaching anywhere between three to six million people every day. And like you said, we get about a thousand photos a day that are, that are sent to us. That's crazy. How long have you been doing this? Uh, three years. So how did you get this job? Uh, well, it's a little bit of a dream job and a funny story in, in a way because I um, back about 2004, I was working for a small advertising agency in the U.S. And then I just wanted to come on a holiday to Australia. 
and spent the month here and, and absolutely fell in love with the country and ended up getting a, a full-time job and spent four years here. And it's probably like, like one of the best times of my life. It's just it had such an amazing time and decided, okay, you know, it's time to grow up and kind of need to go back into advertising and, and go back home. And I worked for um, like selling like celebrity perfumes and all that kind of stuff and big ad campaigns. And, and then I realized that I probably left like a brand that I loved, which was Australia and travel. And, and, and I had left that behind. Um, so I spent the next two years really kind of doing stuff online on, on SlideShare. Um, I did a few presentations like you suck at PowerPoint. Uh, I would put up these proposals for people to send me money to go to festivals like South by Southwest and Cannes Lions. And in exchange, that if they, they supported my trip, I would provide all my notes and all the photos and all that kind of stuff, um, which was quite amazing because I kind of built a really good foundation of how to build communities and how to build followings during that time. And then uh, there's a job that opened up in Australia to be the social media manager for Tourism Australia, and I knew that that's exactly what, what I wanted. Um, so I sent in my, my, my resume, and then uh, I knew that I probably needed to do something above and beyond that also, too, to demonstrate that I can, that I can do the job. Um, so I put up my, my resume on SlideShare and went to bed that night, and I woke up in the morning, and it had 40,000 views and, and a whole bunch of comments, people saying, you know, you'd be crazy if you didn't hire this person. He's a perfect guy for, for the job. And then um, someone who was following me on Twitter in the organization, in Tourism Australia, forwarded my CV and, and the presentation to the a managing director at the time. And then, long story short, I ended up coming in for, for a, an interview and, and got the job. That's, a, that's an amazing story, actually. That's yeah. crazy. You totally yeah. used social media to lock down the deal, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. But my, the old CEO used to call it a propaganda campaign. But I actually do think it's more like everything kind of fell into place because I had built that foundation for a couple years before. That's so cool. So kind of give us the high level. What is the job of Tourism Australia, if you would? Sure. So, like you said, we're essentially we're the marketing agency for for tourism in, in Australia. So, for tourism in Australia is the second biggest contributor to GDP. It's an industry that's worth about a hundred billion dollars to the economy. Um, it employs about nine hundred thousand people, and it's pretty typical across the world that in most developed countries that tourism would be in, in the top five contributors. So, so it's a quite a large industry around the world. So we're essentially the organization that's responsible for promoting tourism as, as a whole, and then we all work with our different states, and then we work with our international offices and all that kind of stuff. So how does social media? Um, what kind of a role does social media play? Before you came on board, what were they doing, and how now that you're involved, is social media, you know, has it changed all the other things that they're doing? Is there still the good old fashioned ways of you know promoting Australia? Just give me your kind of yeah. high level. Sure. Well, I think advocacy and, and word of mouth has always played a role in, in, in any industry, right? And especially in, in, in travel. Um, social media had started a few years before I, I joined Tourism Australia. We, we started a, a Facebook page when the Pope came to visit. And it kind of slowly grew. About a, it took about three years to reach a million fans. But it wasn't really kind of like there wasn't a full-time social media manager. So when I came along, I kind of looked at what we had and then just kind of decided to launch an Instagram profile, Google Plus and, and Twitter and then really kind of ramp, ramp it up. Cool. Now, now does, does social media, uh, I'm imagining now social media is a key part of, of the, uh, the promotion, if you will, of all of what Australia does. Is that a safe assumption? It, it really is, actually. And I, and I think that's kind of, you know, the numbers are quite impressive. And, and you know, we do reach a, a few million people every day, and, that, and that's quite good. But I think it's also what we get back in return. 
like all these insights that we're collecting that's helping make the business better. And I think that that to me is the biggest part of, part of this whole thing. Like, like the fact that I think 30 years ago, the job of the tourism board was to create a commercial. If you're in the U.S., you probably remember like Paul Hogan throwing other shrimp on the barbie and, and all that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The landscape is so radically different and more complex today sort of thing. So that it's not just tourism Australia who's promoting Australia uh, we um, when I started a couple of years ago I kind of looked at what we had and I was like I, I sort of had a freak out moment because I'm like I can't do this job just being one person it's far too big so then what I did is I wrote a, a strategy called the world's biggest social media team and the premise was is that it wasn't going to be just the one person or the two people that we had in the team at the time doing the job that if we got our strategy right we can get the 6.2 million people who come here every year, the 900,000 people who work in the industry, and the 23 million people who live here to be part of our team, right? And that's kind of really been the journey that, that we've been on the past couple of years where it's not so much just us as a team doing it. And like you said, you, we get these thousand photos a day. So we want to build this platform that the whole world kind of comes and helps us build. Tell us a little bit more about your strategy. I'd love to hear more about it. Right. So, so the world's biggest social media team strategy has a few kind of critical components in it. Probably one of the biggest things is to build something that gets bigger over time. Uh, I think traditionally in advertising and in marketing, we, we tend to work on, on big campaigns. You know, you spend six months doing something and then you like launch it and then that's it, right? It doesn't really have a kind of a, a long effect. So what we like to do is work on these small things every single day that keep on adding more and more value over time. So for example, our Instagram account, you know, instead of doing a big campaign or competition and all that kind of stuff. We just grew the account slowly over the past two years. And it's a very good way for us to use our small resources that we have every day to kind of keep perfecting the system so that we keep reaching more and more uh, people. Um, Another important part is that making someone else the hero. And that's that's something that, that I really believe in, that when we go out and we take photos of the country and, and you will produce these like very highly photoshopped kind of versions of, of what the country is, it's not any better than what typically a fan will send us. So, you know, sometimes people send us a photo that's taken with an iPhone and it ends up getting 100,000 likes on their photo. Now, if you're a traveler and it's your first time to Australia and you send us a photo to the tourism board and it gets featured that afternoon and it gets 100,000 likes, like that, that's a pretty amazing thing for, 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 for an experience for you to get, right? So that's what we try to create every single day. And we don't create any content ourselves in our team. Um, so about 99.9% of the, the stuff that we do will always be about making someone else the hero. So that person can be part of our team let's dig in on that a little bit because um let's start with um the fact that none of the content is your own so uh and let's dig into visuals in particular so um you mentioned that you have um gosh i think you said nine hundred thousand people in the tourism or some crazy yeah Yeah. some, some crazy number um so are are do you have pictures coming in from um you know um uh, travel agents in Australia and hotels, or is it mostly from consumers? Or let's talk through that a little bit. How do you how do you do that? I, I would say the vast majority comes from consumers, and that's what's really interesting about this space, right? Because I think if you're a marketer, if you take a step back, right, and you say. You look at it from a business point of view. So as an entrepreneur, it's not sustainable for me to keep creating all this content myself, right? Right. So if I take a step back and say, how do I figure out how to tap into these resources that are available out there? You look at like Huffington Post is a great example. Huffington Post has something like 120 editorial staff right, on, on board. So they write original content. And then they have 80,000 bloggers who contribute 
to the site. And then one third of their content comes from uh, just syndicated, right? So they're able to achieve these insane results by kind of tapping into what's available out there. Mm. It's the same thing with like with GoPro, I think is another good example. Um, I, 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 to me, the GoPro YouTube channel is probably the best example of a brand doing it well because all they're doing is they're sh- showcasing user videos made with their product. It's not like you know showing the products and their features and all that kind of stuff. It's like here's someone enjoying my product, and then that thing gets bigger and bigger every, every single day. It's awesome, and I love what GoPro is doing. So, so in your case, how how are you? Um, how how does a tourist who takes a cool picture? You know, what's the process? I mean, let's dig yep. into this a little bit. Um, so they can use either our hashtag or they can send it on to our Facebook wall. They can email it to us. They can mail it into it if, if, if they want. We basically accept it from any kind of different different source that they want to send it in. What's your hashtag? Uh, hashtag see Australia. As in S-E-E, right? Yes, S-E-E, yeah. So, okay, so so you guys, so people take pictures and they uh, they tag it with, with a hashtag Probably that's the easiest thing they can do, right? Yes. Like on Instagram and yep. stuff like that. So then what do you guys do? Because you've got, as you stated earlier, a thousand pictures that are somehow mm-hmm. being aggregated every day in some capacity. So w- what's the next step once you got all these pictures coming in? Um, so we try to make it, we always try to encourage people to actually post it on their own platforms also too and then use the hashtag and not just kind of to send it in in a form and kind of hope it gets published. Like, um, like I said, kind of we want everyone to be part of our team. So if you're really passionate of a small little area in Australia, we might not be able to feature it, but we still kind of want you to go out and, and tell the world uh, about that area. But our team will go through every single photo uh, every day and go through the whole list. It is quite a lot. But we only about half the time use those photos. The other half the time we'll actually go out and find the photos uh, ourselves. Mm. And, and that's kind of like another, another thing too. When people do competitions and when they're usually kind of starting out with hashtags, you know, a lot of the time what I hear is like, oh, we're not getting many submissions. We're not getting this. And they kind of like almost sit back and kind of wait for the stuff to come in. Even us, like today after three years, and still we get more content than we know what to do with, we're still going out and looking for stuff that we've never seen before or certain kind of uh, boxes that we need to tick because we're doing this kind of campaign or, or this focus. But it, it's, for us, it's never kind of a sit back and wait approach. It's always kind of like let's kind of move forward and let's see what else is out there. So let's say you find a good photo. Um, how do you – what do you do with that photo? Do you um, try to cross – promote it across your different channels or do you stay within the channel? I'm curious about that. Well, so we basically, we have a permission process that we go through to make sure that we have the rights to, to use that photo. And then in terms of using it on, on different channels, we tend not to cross between the channels. Like our whole job is to basically to know what the brand guidelines are and how we interpret that in every single platform. So our message on Facebook will be slightly different than the message on Instagram as it will be on Google+. Uh, it, uh, to us, it would seem almost a bit lazy in a way to have you know, a video that's really made for YouTube and then pushing it out in Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that without keeping in mind that's like what's the best way for us to tell that story in that platform and a YouTube video might not be it. If you find a really great photograph that someone puts up on Twitter and mm. um, presumably you ask for their permission and if they give yep. you permission, then if it's a really killer photo, do you put that up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter across the channels or do you tend to just reshare it on the channel in particular where you found it? We tend to reshare it on the channel, but sometimes if it is a great kind of photo, we'll kind of tweak it and kind of put it on, on the different platforms. Since this yeah. is an audio podcast, why don't you describe some of the some of the more popular types of pictures that you tend to share? Oh, man. Okay. Well, koalas and kangaroos, obviously, <laughs> always perform quite quite well. 
Um, but I think, you know, like any destination, uh, Australia can be quite familiar. You know, when you think about Australia, what do you think about? You think about the beaches, you think about the wildlife, the nature and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's our job not just to put up a picture of the opera house every single day, but the, to show a new, uh, a new way of seeing the country. Um, we have this kind of expression that's like, does it, the question that we ask ourselves when we post something is, does it advance my knowledge of the destination? So, and that can really work in any product, right? If someone likes your, your Facebook page, you know, are they actually learning something new every time they get the post? Or are you just kind of driving down this message that they already know? I think one of the big insights that we found out from our profiles is that about a quarter of our fans are here in Australia. I mean, our, our job technically is to get internationals to come to Australia, mm. but a quarter of our fans already live here. And when we surveyed a lot of our fans, like a lot of them had already been to Australia. So we're speaking to not only an audience who lives here, but an audience who already know quite a lot about the country. So we kind of shift our thinking a bit to being like, okay, it's not our job so much about educating them. Our job is to give them something that will help them tell the story themselves. So it's the difference between storytelling to like giving them a story to tell. So all our posts are engineered in a way that it's very simple, very highly visual. I want it to be something that you take and you put on your own profile and say, I've been there, I've done that, or I know what that experience is like. And it's a very different way of storytelling. And that's kind of one of our keys. So give us a couple of examples maybe of some of the types of you know, um, posts that have gone up in the last 24 hours, just, just to kind of get a quick you know, example. Sure. Um, so we had a baby echidna that was posted um, yesterday from, from Perth Zoo. And a lot of the times these photos are taken by keepers or they're taken by, by, by customers who kind of come through the door. Um, so that one had, I'm just looking at the page now, so that one had about 71,000 likes. And it's a pretty big deal for someone who takes a photo with their phone to get that many, um, that many likes. Awesome. And one of our one of our big features we do every Friday is called the Friday Fan Photos. So we do like a, a summary of of all the best photos that have come through for for the week, and that's always quite popular. Uh, awesome. Talk. talk um, we were talking before we started about something you did with a kangaroo. You want to you want to tell that story? Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a controversy. Um, so, so basically, I guess when you work in a large organization, especially for a government organization, it's you typically, if you're a social media manager, you need to demonstrate that you have a content plan going forward. And that plan needs to be signed off by legal and by corporate comms. And just so kind of everything is kind of everyone knows what you're doing. And there's a number of reasons that for that. Like, you know, protect yourself, make sure that the agency knows what they're doing. Um, for us, social media has always been kept in-house. And I've negotiated quite a lot of freedom within the executive team and the corporate comms team to basically let us make decisions every single day, you know, based on what's kind of going on outside in, in on the online world, what's going on in the news and kind of what's going on within our organization. So it's basically it's our job to kind of look at what's going on and kind of match it with our business uh, objectives. So one of the photos that we got one day was from uh, Featherdale Wildlife Park, and it's just outside of Sydney here. And it was of, of a kangaroo kind of lying in the sun with his legs kind of wide wide open. Now, typically, and it was a male uh, kangaroo. We should state. It, sorry, yes, <laughs> probably very important detail. It was yeah. a male kangaroo. Yes. <laughs> and one of our brand values about Australia is to be irreverent, to not take ourselves too seriously, sort of thing. So when I looked at this photo, I thought, you know, here's a great example of such an Australian icon that is kind of just very t- kind of it's kind of like laid back, chill, kind of back. So I sent it to corporate comms. I said, can we post? And we normally don't ask permission, but I said, can we post this image on on Facebook like this? And they came back and said, well, you know, probably not appropriate sort of thing. Um, so we went back the next week and we, we pixelated basically it's a, between between his legs. So I think the tagline that we put was uh, enjoying a lazy afternoon censored for Facebook. 
and um, said, you know, can we post it on Facebook like this? And they said, yeah, no problem. That's, that's perfectly cool. So posted it. And we watched all the comments grew during the day. And one of the things is that by having this kind of consistent approach, right, we, we knew exactly what would happen when we posted. We knew some people would be mad, but we knew the majority of the people would understand our humor. They would understand our jokes because they've been following our profiles for, for a while. So over the weekend, I think it got about 80,000 likes. And out of the 1,500 comments, there's probably about 20 or 25 that were negative. People saying, you know, why are you pixelating a kangaroo's genitals? Or my, I have pictures of my dog on Facebook. They're not censored sort of thing. All, all this kind of stuff. And, like, you know how people can be. You kind of knew, knew going into this that this would create a little controversy, didn't you? Totally. And then, but that's it, right? Sort of thing. Right. Then on Monday, we got a call from a, from a journalist. And I would say that that's one of the, 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 one of the secrets for us is that social media does, doesn't just sit in the social media team. It's really kind of a whole organization approach. So corporate comms is across what we're doing. The executive team are across what we're doing. Um, so when we got a call from a journalist on Monday morning wanting to write a story about specifically the negative comments on that picture, right? Mm. Um, we were very kind of upfront and said, yes, it was very deliberate. We did this. We were just kind of poking fun in front of ourselves, and we kind of gave this lighthearted statement. And then the, the article was written that afternoon, and then it just went absolutely nuts around the world. I think it was featured in, on CNN, CNBC. It was Huffington Post, The Telegraph. Like it, for, for a whole week, this, this story spread all across the world about how Tourism Australia censored the image. It was a whole piece on, uh, on a big morning show here that we have across uh, the whole country called Sunrise. And there was an advertising expert who we saw that the night before at 11 o'clock, he put out on Twitter saying, oh, I'm going to be on the show tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. talking about Tourism Australia Censor Kangaroo. Now, we have no affiliation with this guy. I've never met him before sort of thing. But it was really our job to kind of drop everything and make sure that he had the information that he needed so that the story didn't go somewhere that we didn't want it to go. Right. And so we, we basically, we, we, we got in contact with him by email that evening and we gave him bullet points of exactly kind of what happened, all the stats, all, all, the, all the background story. And the next morning they did like a six minute segment on the show, which was pretty much 95% word for word what we gave them. And that's kind of like that's how we were able to keep the story quite quite positive. And maybe we can put in the show notes. Uh, oh yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely embed all the the video and whatever else you got. And the cool thing is, it got it went to different countries. It got translated into different languages. I mean, it was a huge PR opportunity, really, for you guys, wasn't it? I mean, that was it, a, it, it was yeah yeah. Is that and that and that's kind of the message here, isn't it? That sometimes, um, you know, not <laughs> I guess the underlying message is just because legal says no doesn't mean you shouldn't go back with a slight alteration. And maybe, you know, in this case, um, you know, it really did work for you guys, right? It, it did. And, and you know what? I think typically in PR and advertising, people are so obsessed about putting a dollar value on all that kind of stuff, right? And I remember having a few conversations with people who came up with these formulas and trying to, you know, figure out what is the value of that campaign, right? You know, what, what is the value of having that six-minute piece going around the world and sort of thing? It's... To me, that it's, I, I know it's probably worth something, but to me the biggest value was how it changed the culture and this organization, right? That it meant that we didn't have to be so kind of uptight sometimes. We can take calculated risks. We can kind of poke fun at ourselves sort of thing. So the, the case study video that we'll post, we've shown it to about 10,000 people here in Australia, like the industry, showing them how to do it themselves also too. And I think a lot of times that's where social media managers kind of sell themselves short, that your job isn't just to manage a Facebook page. I mean, this is essentially the biggest shift we've ever seen in our industry. Your job is, in a way, to help lead your organization and lead your industry through this period of change, right? And if you can teach people how you do it and what this, what this means, uh, I think you'll never have a problem getting resources and, and people helping you out. 
And I would also imagine that, that in this particular case, you saw a bump in your uh, in your fan base, didn't you? Um, a little bit, not not too much. And I think that's the thing. People are so focused on these viral things. But for us, doing the same thing consistently every single day and doing it well, that's what really adds a lot of value to us. Gotcha. Now, going back to your fans a little bit, um, how do you guys, and I say guys because I know there's more than just you, how do you, how do you engage with your fans? How do you get them involved beyond simply um, you know, posting their pictures up on Facebook. Is there any kind of engagement strategy you guys have behind the scenes? I'm just curious. Um, yeah, actually, like a lot of it is rolling up your sleeves and doing the hard work. It's not, not so, I'm, I'm not a big fan of kind of setting up campaign pages with a form that people need to fill out sort of thing. It's like I'm a big fan of like good old fashioned, like pick up the phone, send them an email, talk to people, build up that rapport with them. And it's not typical. I mean, for if you look at professional photographers, for example, there's no way that even four or five years ago, a professional photographer would have shared their photo with the tourism board, mm. right? Because typically tourism boards would be seen as like, you know, unless they're paying for my photos, there's no way I want them to use it. Today, it's quite quite different. I mean, the fact is we can feature a photo and we can get you 100,000 likes on, on that photo. For, for even an amateur photographer starting out, that's quite a lot. And, and for them, they see it as a good stepping stone and a good platform for them to build um, their career off of. So we've had a few people I can think of that have built these great consulting businesses or that kind of go off and do instant meets and all that kind of stuff just in the back of being featured on, on our profiles. Now, how do you, when you feature your fans, do you somehow ad tag them or something so that they get a little love out of it? Or how does that work? Uh, of course, absolutely. 100% of the, 100% of the time. That's awesome. And a big part of it is, too, is, is making sure that the audience right, can, is able to click through to find out more information. I, I don't ever want to be seen as the expert. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm Canadian from, from my accent. And, and, and I think that's actually been the biggest kind of turning point in my thinking for how we deal with this social media here at TA, at Tourism Australia, is because I don't want it to be about us. I want it to be about the people who actually do know a lot about the product. And I think as a marketer, the minute you do it like that, and someone else is getting the love, that person will keep coming back to you and they'll keep helping you with your cause. Now, how often do you guys post a day, just out of curiosity? Um, so we'll do one kind of global international post on the Facebook page and we'll do four on Instagram. And Instagram is really kind of a 24-hour operation for us. Uh, we'll do one on Google+, and then we'll do a few on Twitter also too. But we, I would say that probably more than half of my time is actually not so much managing the profiles, but it's actually working across the industry and across the rest of the organization, um, helping uh, you know with bigger problems that we have at the moment, like like a website, for example. And I sort of think as an industry, we've sort of like lost focus that you know Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff is is great. But we can't forget our own assets, which are our websites, which are kind of really the place where the consumer is taking the next step, right? Well, what's the point of having a Facebook page that has 15,000 fans if your website's really dodgy and it has been updated in the past year? Like there, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect sometimes. Gotcha. Well, that brings up a great point. Um, you are selling a country. So um, is it just enough to mention that these are photographs from our country or do you often um, include click here to learn more about the country in your posts and in your updates? I'm curious. 
Um, we do. We do it in different ways. So we'll by tagging someone, we'll we'll make sure that someone, the consumer, has an ability to kind of click through to find out more information. Sometimes we'll link off to our own websites, but but basically the general gist of it is that, and and I guess this works in destination marketing or any kind of marketing. Is our job is to storytell to someone on the path to purchase, hmm. right? So that path to purchase looks very different in different industries. Sometimes it's a funnel for us. It's kind of a cycle where someone starts about dreaming where they want to go and they start planning it and then they uh, book it and they experience it and then they share it and the whole kind of thing starts all over again. It, it, so it's our job not to just post pretty pictures, but it's our job to make sure that, that we're helping people kind of to the next step, which is kind of planning or finding out more information. How do you know, considering how infrequently you post, like, for example, at Social Media Examiner, we post a ton more often, mm. um, but most of we're, we're promoting our articles, you know what I mean? Mm. And we publish, you know, multiple times a day. But how do you know what makes for great content? Because you're only doing it a few times a day. You have to be highly selective, right? I mean, so what is it? What's your secret formula, if you will? <laughs> or what's the, mm. what's, the, what's the filter upon which you filter things in order to know whether this will resonate or, or not? Well, you know, I, I can easily tell you it's like, you know, it's it's animals or it's beaches and all that kind of stuff, which is what it looks like on the, on the outside, right? Which luckily for us, based on research, it's the stuff that people actually come to Australia for. Right. But but the unofficial answer to that, which which I see every day, is really the context around that content, right? The fact that if we featured your photos six months ago, you will keep coming back to our page every single day to find out what our photos are. If we featured you in Friday fan photos, if, we, if you wrote a comment on our page and you got a reply back from an Australian, sort of thing that's all context to us and I know, I know there's kind of this big kind of discussion around Facebook reach at the moment where you know I, I think it's most brands reach like six to eight percent of their fans is that does that sound about right oh yeah that's probably even less <laughs> yeah it's probably even less and, and that's and that's quite it's a, it's a big problem right for, yeah. for us we're, we're reaching about 28 to 29 every single day that's crazy and and and, and that's for us it's kind of a good good place to be so I, and that's that's the whole thing with this, right? That's our strategy. It works for us. I mean, the amount of times I've heard, oh, we need to be more like Red Bull. No, we don't need to be more like Red Bull. A Red Bull have a content team of 800 people. You know, they send people up in space. Like, that's Red Bull's strategy. And, and I sort of think that... And they probably have a bigger budget too, right? Absolutely, right? And you can't base your strategy on someone else's sound bites. And, and I think that's a lot of the problems too is when you, when you listen to other people's advice. A lot of times it sounds as, as sound bites. You don't really see the whole picture behind it. And that's why it's a bit hard for me to explain kind of how, wh- why our page and our profiles work so well is because there is so much context behind it about how much we spend so much time on the phone with people. We spend time doing presentations. We spend time giving a lot of love to make sure that these people kind of keep coming back. Awesome. Uh, You mentioned a couple times the Friday fan photos. Can you kind of, for somebody who wants to maybe model a little bit of what you're doing for their space, like Mm -hmm. what what are some tips that you might, you know, like how do you do that and maybe what are some tips that you've learned along the way? Sure. I, I tend to think a lot about in, in systems. And like I said before, like building something gets bigger over time. I, I, I want to find out what is the things we can do every single week or every single day um, that will keep getting bigger over time. So for us, the Friday fan photos was a very good way to package up all these different ideas that have come through the week and into one really great album that people really looked forward to getting. So And, and I've seen this done a few times. I, I, like, I only read like a few blogs and one of them is um, Swiss Miss. Um, at, at in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she, no, Swiss Miss. I haven't. No, what is it? I, I think it's like her URL is Swiss Miss dot com. Oh, gotcha. 
and she's like a, a designer and, and she runs kind of her own design shop. And every Friday she does like a Friday like link pack sort of thing. And it's like it's a really well thought through, like really well curated list of people. It's not and, – and I always look forward to getting that. And, and that's what I want the Friday fan photos to be. It's like, you know, if we don't post by 11 o'clock on Monday morning, uh, sorry, on Friday morning in Australia, I start getting angry phone calls. I actually had a woman from the UK a couple months ago call saying that she wanted to go to bed. It's her thing to look at the photos every Thursday. That's crazy. And that she was, yeah, and, and that's the thing. That, and that's great. And So what what is it? You put a photo album together and upload uh, how many photos do you put in there? Uh, about 20. 20 of the best photos gotcha. every single week. And yeah. you're, you're doing this on Facebook, right? Yeah, on, on Facebook. And I guess that, that's a challenge for marketers, right? Like you find something that people really care about and then what your objectives are. And if you can find that middle ground, like for us, do people care about getting a commercial push through the newsfeed every single day? No, they don't, right? But they care about seeing other people's photos. They care about seeing their own photos. So it's a great way for us to kind of inject our brand message into other people's. Um, one cool, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting and unique is that you do have an app on your Facebook page. That's a help desk kind of thing. Um, explain a little bit about what that is and how you guys use that. Sure. So being only a a team of of three or four people, we have obviously have to have the right systems in place for us to manage all the comments and all the inquiries and all the photos that come through. So we use uh, Zendesk, um, which has been quite amazing for us to make sure that we, uh, you know, are are tackling everything. And we went from having probably about two years ago having a system where we'd be asked the same questions, like, you know, 80% of the time is the same questions all the time. And we were going back to every single person one-on-one to now having this system in place where if people can't find the uh, question or the answer they'll they'll come back and they'll send us a message and that's helped quite quite a lot gotcha so zen desk and it's an app Zendesk, yeah. it's an app yeah. where you can put basically uh it's like a little website on facebook really and it provides you know all the common questions everybody was asking right is that kind of the it, gist is, of it? it is yeah and i think they have like different different products so i think it's i was looking at their website right now it starts at a dollar a month but in terms of a help desk solution for i think it's perfect i mean for us it's perfect it's been great i mean i'll be honest it's the first time i've ever seen a quote-unquote help desk on facebook and i think that's brilliant <laughs> mm. i mean especially if you don't have a huge team you know and you don't want the team yeah. to have to go through and, and and you know answer the same question over and over again i think it's really awesome well, Jesse, I know we've just scratched the surface of the amazing things that you are doing with your team uh, in Australia. And I just want to ask with this final question, where can people discover more about you uh, personally and where can they discover more about the work that you're doing? Uh, sure. So I'm uh, at Jesse D on Twitter, J-E-S-S-E-D-E-E. Um, you can see some of my slideshare presentations that I was talking about. If you Google uh, USACA PowerPoint, uh, you'll see some of our, my work that I did a few years ago. But if you want to check out the work that we're doing here at Tourism Australia, uh, we're at Australia on Twitter, at Australia on Instagram, and on Facebook. We're facebook.com forward slash Australia. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing all your insights with us today. On behalf of a lot of listeners, I can tell you that it was really awesome. No worries. All good. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview and Jesse forgot to mention he's got a brand new book coming out called Chasing the Right Rabbit and it's all about focusing your marketing efforts. By the way, if there was anything we mentioned in today's show and you missed it, don't worry, we take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 109. What that'll do is allow you to check out everything we mentioned and leave comments if you want. Also, are you a subscriber to this podcast? Or are you just kind of randomly listening now and again? If you're not subscribing, hit the subscribe button in iTunes or whatever player you've got so you never miss another episode of this podcast. 
This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Desi. Ugh, I always get his name wrong. Desi. Jesse. <laughs> I'll be joined today by Jesse Deja. Deja. <laughs> Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.